So what if I told you, wait, you know what, never mind. You already know the story of Gotham's most infamous vigilante. So let's get into this episode. The Umbron Cellophone. Why you don't understand? Camera speed. Sound production, take one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Unbound Cinephone. I'm Avery, your host, and today I'm coming at you with a very dear friend of mine. I like to call him the superhero enthusiast. Kadesh, introduce yourself to the people. Hello, hello, greetings. Uh, very glad to be here. Hello to all the cinephiles out there, and can't wait to get start talking. All right, so uh, me and Kadesh have watched a number of movies over the last, I'd say, three years together. Um, we didn't watch this movie together, but I thought, who else to bring on to the podcast to talk about 2022, The Batman? Um, so first, we're just going to go ahead, talk about um, the normal stuff, our expectations, and, um, you know, just what we got from the movie. And so... For me, especially, I brought Kadesh on here because I just, I enjoy movies. I don't research them more than I need to. Um, I don't, there are very few movies where I watch every single, um, every single movie in order from start to finish and keep up with them, you know? But, and this is one of the, this is one of those movies because I love superhero movies, but you cannot ask me to watch every single one in a row. I'm not going to do it. And so going into watching The Batman, um, I was watching it for Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz, just like every other every other um, superhero girly fan uh, who who just watches it for the people in the action. Um, I that's how I have been since I since I was a kid, because I watched The Dark Knight. I watched um, I think I think I started watching The Dark Knight. And that's where I was like, oh, OK, I like The Batman. But I never saw any of them before that either. Um, so, Kadesh, tell us about your history um, with, with the Batman specifically. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, yo, just grew up loving to read comics. Like, that was my number one thing whenever I went to the library. It was Stephen King and comics. Uh, comics was like, comics and uh, graphic novels in general are very easily digestible to, like, the average reader. Someone who's not trying to read a whole novel and can't necessarily imagine a setting or or a feeling that a story is trying to convey just through words graphic novels show that through their art uh that they can tell a story in an effective way and an even like gripping way like it did for me uh whenever i'd stuck to stick to a comic i would stick to it for as long as i could finish it honestly so my history with the batman is very long uh is very prolonged and it's a deep relationship that I have to it, honestly, uh, the Batman being one of my favorite heroes. But uh, yeah, I've been reading comics since I was a child. And when they started making movies depicting these comic book characters, uh, I couldn't help but stay away, uh, especially with like the implementation of the MCU and uh, the original Batman movie in 1989, which we're going to talk about a little bit here for our background. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely like the point you made about um, graphic novels and comics being easier um, for for those who are not fans of novels. You know, me being me being a little bookworm myself, I love a good novel, but I've never been able to to read a comic. But that's something that you know, like bookworms bookies like all of us can relate on is just our love for reading no matter what it is that you're reading um so going into the going into the batman 2022 um i i i just i stayed away from everything they were talking about online quite honestly i didn't know where the story was going to pick up i knew that it was going to be a start of a new franchise per se but um in terms of the storyline, had no idea. I just knew Robert Pattinson, my little vampire, and Zoe Kravis were going to be in it. And I was down. I was down from the get-go. So I really didn't have any any other expectations. But I'm sure you, Kadesh, you had your own set expectations. So tell us, tell us a bit about that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, when this movie was first announced, it was in... Uh... Well, it was in 2018, I think, around that time. But it was, it's was it been in production since 2015, if you could be surprised by that. 
uh, you know, DC first contacted Matt Reeves, uh, you know, after he finished his Planet of the Apes franchise or his part of Planet of the Apes franchise, which he did an excellent job in. And when this was announced and, you know, reading about his background and seeing uh, the Planet of the Apes movies that he had done, I was very excited to see what he could do with the Batman because he took the Planet of the Apes franchise in a whole different direction than expected from its first film. Uh, starring James Franco in the early 2000s from the reboot. But uh, upon uh, first looks of the movie and of trailers, uh, you could see that we're going to get the classic noir Batman that is apparent in comics and apparent in the last films depicting the Batman. And that we'd also be getting uh, the world's greatest detective Batman as well, which he is dubbed as in the comics which we haven't really delved deep into from the other films like the Dark Knight trilogy and uh, Tim Burton's Batman movies. And Matt Reeves has also directed a few horror movies himself. And you all know I'm a big horror fan myself. And um, he did Cloverfield in 2008, which is known for its cinematography because it doesn't really show the monster. all throughout the movie and then you have let me in in 2010 which i haven't seen that one um but it's a horror it's a it's a romance horror movie um so so he has a very wide range of films that he that he does so you have now we have the batman which is superhero action and then you have horror you have sci-fi so you know he could really approach the batman however however he wanted but i think yeah. that no matter what we were really expecting the the cinematography to be to be very crisp very clean so fresh mm-hmm. and clean you know most definitely um so now we'll, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of it the batman which came out um most recently in february of 2022 correct no march march 1st march yeah, March. March 1st, 2022. Um, it is directed by Matt Reeves and it's starring Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne, the Batman, uh, Zoe Kravitz as Selena and Catwoman. And then you have uh, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro. Tur- <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> Peter Sarsgaard, Andy Circus, Sir- and Colin Farrell. Which we'll talk about Colin Farrell in a second. Me and Kadesh talked about it a little briefly, but wow, my mind is still blown. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so the movie picks up um, with Gotham's mayor, and he is murdered by the Riddler, and um, and that's that's exactly how the movie opens up with mm-hmm. a frame of the window into the mayor's home with his son. And so let me ask you, Kadesh, did you, and maybe I'm thinking too deep into it, but um, his son had like a samurai sword and he was like, yeah. he was doing, you know, like martial arts and stuff. And after, like, I, after watching Batman Begins, I was like, hmm, Easter egg, question <laughs> mark? Yes, a lot of people who have seen the movie uh, do think that the ninja costume for the kid was an Easter egg for Batman's origins. Uh, Batman was trained by the League of Shadows. This is all comic book accurate. So he's been trained by the League of Shadows, uh, which is a criminal syndicate organization who operates, obviously, in the shadows, uh, controlling things from government uh, all the way up to economics and basically uh, with the vibe to control the world, um, right? And, you know, a lot of people think that this ninja outfit was an Easter egg. Uh I hope it is an Easter egg uh, so we can see what's next for the franchise. But that is a very interesting part in just, you know, the first minute of the movie. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about um, Mitchell's son a little bit later after we talk about the movie itself, because I have some words to say about it. Um, But moving forward from here. The Riddler is actually in the house of Mayor Mitchell and he ends up killing the mayor and leaving a riddle because that's what the Riddler does. And um, it's pretty much, it, it says no more lies. Is that, is that like the- Yeah, no more, no more lies is seen uh, all throughout the film uh, with the first victim and the second victim. 
and also the third victim as well, which we'll get in later. But yeah. Yeah. So um, so the Riddler really just starts to go on a killing spree with Gotham's most elite um, in terms of the government and Batman, the Gotham police do not want to bring Batman into this because he's a vigilante himself. But um, James Gordon, the lieutenant, is like weasels him in a little bit, especially after they find that the Riddler is leaving tiny, tiny clues with Batman's name on it. And so they look to Batman to help solve it. Yeah. And at this time, uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman has been operating for coming up on two years uh, on this night of Halloween. So he's known around the city, but he's still what he calls himself is a shadow uh, to the people of Gotham City and as a symbol of fear. And in the beginning scene, actually, when he's beating up on these Halloween goers who are harassing a fellow citizen of theirs, uh, he introduces himself and he says, I'm vengeance. Oh, yeah, yep. Now in the other films in uh in Tim Burton's Batman, the debut film in 1989, Michael Keaton, he introduces himself as I'm Batman. And in Batman Begins, uh Christopher Nolan's version of Batman, Christian Bale introduces himself as I'm Batman. Now in this movie, we get I'm Vengeance, which we'll get into later. So moving forward from there, um, the Batman and Gordon try to chase down the Riddler in terms of solving his clues um, wherever he leaves them because he he leaves a trail of crumbs, right? And that leads him to um, the Iceberg Lounge, which is a nightclub operated by uh, the Penguin. And he is a he's is he the lieutenant of um, Carmine Falcone's mob, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin is an underling of Carmine Falcone. Uh, He's known as the Penguin, but he doesn't go by that because, you know, for him, it's a derogatory term, you know, for his limp and his uh, physical appearance as well. So he goes by Oz in the movie, but everybody calls him Penguin. Which in Batman Returns, if I'm thinking of it right, that's the one with Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Yes, for Michelle Pfeiffer's cat. And he and he actually coins the term for himself in that movie. Yes, in that movie he fully embraces the penguin role. And in Tim Burton's universe of the Batman as a whole, we have a more a much more uh comic gimmicky and like a sixties noir scene of Gotham, which is similar to the comics at the time. And it also, you know, presents a comic accurate original story that sets a precedent for it. The Batman movies that followed it. Um, they they try to get information out of Penguin, who is I'm just gonna call him Penguin to be honest. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, so they try to get information out of Penguin, and while Batman is there, he finds Selena Kyle, um, who is working at the club as a waitress, and he tries to get some answers out of Selena in terms of um Annika, which Annika is her roommate. And so this is the beginning of their relationship. And throughout their relationship, they, um, you know, they try to work together to to figure out what's going on, but they're also motivated by their own selfish reasons per se. Um, But once Annika disappears, that's what really forges them together to work together because that is Selena's motivation. Through Selena, Batman discovers that a few members of the government are on Falcone's payroll. And so this unravels even more of um, the plot to come. And, you know, it le- it creates even more of a trail for Batman to follow. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Selena Kyle scene a bit when he first sees her. Now with... Uh... Now, with Batman, uh, everything is about the details. He's a detective, right? He's always looking for clues. And we can see that in the first scene where he's casing the mayor's place looking for clues for the riddle. And with Selena Kyle, when he first sees her, the first thing he notices are her boots. Now, why her boots? Maybe because they're black and Batman likes black. But uh, with Selena Kyle, she comes in and, you know, she brings the penguin some drinks and stuff. And he notices how she's acting towards the pictures of Annika, her roommate, which he's showing the penguin. And he sees her reactions and he picks up on that. 
and he becomes less interested in the penguin and more interested in this woman who just brought in drinks and you know looked a little bothered by the photos of um of her roommate so he notices the boots on her and then in the picture uh, he also notices the same boots that she's wearing at the time so this is what causes him to follow selena all the way back to her place and you know make her ally and while he's he's literally a peeping tom because he's staring from the building across from hers through her windows using binoculars and like just watching her move throughout her apartment which is crazy because zoe kravitz is in a new movie called kimmy on hbo max and the movie is literally about surveillance and Mm -hmm. i'm i'm gonna do an episode on that um later but um it's just ironic that there there was like a connection in there and that's where we see her like cat-like abilities but um moving forward really the the premise of the movie is you know once everything unravels in terms of batman learns more about the government about the mob um and he also he also discovers stuff about his parents that he that he never knew that he never expected to learn all through the riddler and the riddler's motive is to really is to really urge the Batman to learn all of this stuff to show the Batman, the stuff that he's, you know, I don't, I don't think that the Batman necessarily, he was trying not to find this out. I don't think that he was just blinded by how, by how he grew up. You know, he grew up thinking that his parents were, were philanthropists. That's what everybody sees his parents as. And mm-hmm. the Riddler really wants him to see to see the dark side that that he saw. Because later in the movie, we do learn that the Riddler was a resident at the orphanage that his parents owned. And so that's where we start to see these links. But um and I yeah. I'll let you talk. I just wanted to say real quick that um we're not going to get too deep into the plot itself explaining the plot because it's been out for for over a month now so if you haven't seen it you know that's on you (laughs) but um but you know it's safe to assume that you have seen it um and so what were you going to say yeah uh so it's great that you mentioned uh how the riddler you know sort of looks to batman as sort of like a friend in in this case now in this depiction of the batman he's a brooding depressed and an angry batman and he doesn't really have any interest in being bruce wayne the billionaire playboy and philanthropist that he's known as in comics now it's very realistic and representative to show batman in this light especially with him only being in for two years and what we get out of this uh sort of twisted relationship is a romantic type of aspect that you know most batman movies before have included romantic interest in it and in the romantic interest there are two in this movie which is catwoman and surprisingly the riddler now the riddler sees batman as a reflection of himself and he sort of gives these riddles to him to you know guide him along as you say and what we're getting is Riddler is, in a romanticized way, becoming inspired by the Batman and his keenness for vengeance. And it causes him to take action, you know, about what he finds out about his family and about uh, Gotham City as a whole and its corruption. So that's a very interesting aspect that is included in this story. And what you said just about how he, the Riddler, um, meaning that he looks to Batman as an inspiration I, the fact that he looks to Bruce Wayne as someone to envy is such an Mm -hmm. interesting type of parallel because they're the same person. And this is a movie that everyone has commented in the fact that in other movies, like we see, we see, I think we see Batman more here than we see Bruce Wayne. Um, And so just to have the character of the Riddler envying Bruce Wayne but looking up to Batman. Yeah. And then you think about just how, just how, you know, not even often that we see Bruce Wayne himself. It really just, it it makes you sit back and and think about the, that connection deeper, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, 
the origin story that we see of Bruce Wayne and Batman here is sort of told through the lens of Gotham City and of the Riddler's riddles, you know, instead of through the Batman himself, which we've seen in prior films. Now, yeah, both of the characters are orphans, but they come up with different paths. And, you know, one being a billionaire philanthropist and the other being an orphan struggling in an orphanage that has been forgotten about. Uh, corruption was a factor in both of their paths, despite how different they were. Mm-hmm. Now, would you say that, because I feel like I watched Batman Begins and then I watched the Batman again. I mean, like the the Batman for the second time. Mm-hmm. And so would you say that I feel like they shed more light in terms of the connection between Falcone and the government than they did in Batman Begins because yeah. when when Bruce Wayne comes back to Gotham it's just like it it's we're just kind of pushed into this world where it's already happening mm. and we just have to figure it out ourselves in this depiction of the Batman we see Gotham City as its own separate character who that affects uh the Batman it affects the Riddler and all the other characters that we see in this film, whether that's for good or whether that's for bad, it's a capitalist urban hellscape that's undergoing an at least 20 year long drop epidemic or drug epidemic. And all this time since, you know, what we have is the Gotham Renewal Fund, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer in all aspects of life. So what we see here is an active plot point that Gotham City itself is pushing for every single one of our characters and their motivations. And I think that is just so beautiful to see. It's been it's being used in a way that is very comic book accurate, but different from what we've seen on the big screen. And it's interesting that you say I I hate that I keep saying it's interesting. I really wish I'd find a different set of words. <laughs> it, it is it is interesting because <laughs> it's all new to you, so it's very interesting. Um, but when you said you know Gotham becomes its own character in a sense, because how can you save it when it doesn't want to be saved? Even yeah. Selena says that at the very end, and she's like, "The city, the city doesn't want to be saved," and. Yeah. I think there's so much happening in that moment um, in terms of like, you know, everything that happened before and then everything that's currently happening in that scene that it really takes you a moment to just really consider her words. And so I like that you shed light on that because, you know, once again, we're just we're just going back to it and being able to think about it in this moment. Um, And I really do like. I like the way it ended. I think it's very different from what we've had before, you know, off of memory of Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, going off of, you mentioned it in the in the beginning about how he opens up and he's like, I'm vengeance. And so when um, they're fighting in the arena and you have all these, I like to call them incels because that's what they remind me of. Oh, no, trust me. I- and if you don't mind me interjecting, uh, yeah, the Riddler as a villain just gives off such a realistic type of vibe because this could actually like mm-hmm. somebody, like somebody today could take on a persona like this and gain the followers, probably even more than he did in the film. But, I mean, January 6th, hello. Yeah, there was a leader there. And a lot of other dates too, man. A lot of other dates. <laughs> We won't get into that on this. <laughs> this ain't a history podcast. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so you know they're they're fighting with the incels in the arena, and he when he unmasks one of them, he's like, "Who are you?" And the the incels like, "I'm vengeance," and you can just see Batman's reaction, and it's just like it's such a visceral type of like horror that yeah. he's like. I that's his realization where it's like I created this like this is my own not the repercussions of my own actions right and so that that's kind of a moment where you see a you see a flip and and that's something that I appreciate about this film is that it hyper focuses on uh, the vengeance that Batman and Bruce Wayne are seeking and it really emphasizes it and shows that it affects 
not only himself but the city and other people as well and we see in batman begins in chris nolan's first batman movie he gets to this point fairly quickly when he's asked to kill somebody uh just to join in a league of assassins and you know the that chris nolan doesn't delve into this fact of vengeance and um that batman seeks this vengeance as much as matt reeves does in this movie and he doesn't show the effect that seeking vengeance has on gotham city as a whole so i think matt reeves did a very great job in showing this yeah and going back to um batman begins i feel like in that movie specifically there is there's like the debate of revenge and justice and in what ways are they similar in what ways are they not similar because the now i don't know the character's name but in that moment where he's asked to to ex execute somebody and you know he's like i'm not i'm not an executioner i can't decide when someone lives or dies and the guy is like you're gonna leave you're gonna leave it up to corrupt bureaucrats to decide who deserves justice who deserves justice and who doesn't Mm -hmm. and so i think you know between that and then you have um who who's the girl that is in gotham he grew up with is her name like Uh, it's it's played she's played by katie holmes i think her name is rachel dawes and she's like an assistant district attorney yeah and so like even i feel like a lot of the movie takes place in the court system Mm -hmm. and so you know that even that even goes further but of course this movie i mean this podcast is about the 2020 batman not not back then so uh we're gonna keep pushing forward and um how you talked about the you know the two years that batman has has been kind of like the shadow for gotham um when we when we enter this this universe and a lot of people had problems with the fact that he didn't seem to know what he was doing i remember seeing that on social media a lot just being like um like how come he couldn't solve this riddle or how come you know it took him forever to da, 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 or how come he couldn't stop and so shedding light on the fact that it's really only been two years that he's pl- that he's been in the role of Batman really makes you consider like yeah. he's still learning as himself. And yeah. not only, but this like Batman specifically, I feel like sets apart from other superhero movies in the way that it's not supernatural, you know, yeah. like this movie specifically because even in um even in bat batman oh my gosh how can how can i literally forget about it um but the with michelle pfeiffer's catwoman right Mm -hmm. she she falls out a window or she's pushed she's pushed to her death and then she's saved by cats and the cats bring her back to life excuse me how (laughs) how was where how did we get here and so even with this one like even even the Catwoman in here, Zoe Kravitz, she just has like that's just how her her anatomy is. She's just you know she she is um, she's able to to jump the way she does and run away run around the way she does just because that's her body type. Mm-hmm. And um, and so even in Batman Begins, you do see how Batman just overcame his his fear of bats and he trained in martial arts, and so that's how he is the way he is. So I, I really like that aspect because it's not very it's not like, oh, he came from space or oh, he has he has technology in his heart or anything like that. And and that's how Batman really all started in the comic books. Like he was literally just a crime fighting vigilante detective. You know, it's very it's from very grounded origins uh he comes from so that it that really carries over to this movie which is why i think it's one of the most if not the most comic book accurate depiction of a two-year-old batman that we see and you know speaking on some of the things he's afraid of uh in the scene where he's running out of police station and he gets on top of the building getting ready to jump to evade police you know he takes a breath like he you can see the fear that he had just from being up so high and it literally looks like he's never done that before like he's never jumped off a building and then here he is though conquering that fear and you know effectively i mean or ineffectively jumping off this building (laughs) and 
hitting a bus and just, you know, totally just face plants into the sidewalk, which I thought was a very, uh, a very like keen aspect of the movie that, yeah, hey, this Batman, he's, he's new to the scene. Like he's, he's not flying around the city and just, you know, being the crime fighting perfectionist that he eventually becomes. Yeah. And how you you said it a few times just in terms of how how much it is similar to the comics, but also me never me never reading the comics. I've played the video games and one of um one of the Arkham games, mm-hmm. this Gotham is so similar to the Arkham game that I used to play. Now I don't remember if it's Arkham Asylum or or you know because I know there's a variation of them. I don't remember which one it was, but just from playing that video game, it's very grim, very dark. I almost want to say grimy. Like especially the Asylum, it's just so like it's deteriorating, and so immediately I remember seeing like the setting of Gotham in the movie theater. And I was like, this is this is exactly what, because all of the other Batmans, it just like no effort put into making it look the way that you would imagine, yeah. you know, like Batman Begins, Dark Knight, it's all very crisp, very clean. Yeah. Um, you know, I could, I could walk to, to Orlando, not walk, but I mean, I could go to Orlando and be like, oh, this is Gotham because it, <laughs> Like it doesn't, it doesn't give anything, but this one, you have like the gray tones and the very low saturation, even in the, in the funeral scene, like it's very grim and yes, it's a funeral, but it's just like, it's, I, I love, like, that's one of the, that's one of the aspects of this movie that I love is just how, how Matt Reeves and, and the production team really got the the setting down almost perfectly, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of the filming of this Batman movie took place in the UK and in Scotland. So you know how the weather is in the United Kingdom. It's very uh, rainy all the time and cloudy and smoggy. And they really went all the way overseas to uh, really get this accurate depiction of what it feels like to be in Gotham like you just feel like dirty and mucky just to even be in there or even see what he looks like like it's it's actually very 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 like relieving to see coming from like the Christopher Nolan Batmans which a lot of them take place in like Chicago and things like that and then also in the Tim Burton Batman movies that we see it's kind of like a you said like a 1920s like metropolis right the movie yeah and i i think the the fun thing about different directors taking a stab at a movie franchise or you know comic book franchise um is that you do see their different visions for how they for how they want to convey that particular story and so with batman you have tim burton's you have matt reeves you have christopher nolan um and all of their different their different ideas of what gotham could be what who batman could be who all of these different um dc gotham villains could be and so watching watching batman begins um and even like even um, Tim Burton's, I was thinking about how it resembled the the 1927 German film Metropolis. And I know what you're thinking. Why are you watching German movies? I promise you, I'm not doing it for fun. It was it was required for class. And so I watched it. I really didn't watch all of it. I watched enough until I had what I needed to write my assignment. But still, when as soon as like a scene popped up, on Batman Begins, I like searched it. I searched up the the movie and I was like, this looks exactly like it because you have the different levels of society, um, especially even with like like the train system, the, the public transportation, the train system. It's just like, it was almost identical. So look it up so that you know what I'm talking about. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm right. Even if you don't think I'm right, I'm right. So anyways, going back to you, Kadesh. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, even in uh even in the Tim Burton Batman movie, he channeled uh that Metropolis nineteen twenty seven type of vibe with all the cities, with all the buildings looking down on the citizens, and it's 
it's very interesting to see them tap into that kind of element. But here we see Matt Reeves tap into a more comic book element where we see the grim and the dirtiness of Gotham City and, you know, just how it feels like to be a part of that city or living in it. So let me ask you, because when I was watching, one of my favorite scenes in the Batman is the funeral scene. Um, I think so much happens there just in that one in that I don't even know how long it is I would say 15 minutes of that scene but I think so much happens um that is important for the movie but also just for just like visually and so I want to ask you did you notice how so there was a lot going on when everyone was getting out of their cars they were rolling up like it was a red carpet yeah but that's, uh, anyways, um, so you have the protesters. The protesters are saying no more lies. Yeah. And then you have the paparazzi taking pictures. But over all of it, so once once the cars first pull up, you hear everything very, very clear. But it's almost like once Batman appears, classical music starts playing. Mm-hmm. And it only gets louder. But you can still hear the protesters and you can still hear the cameras. And so did you did you notice that? And like, where did your mind go if you did? Yeah, um, it really shows just how much divided Gotham City is in this movie. Uh, you see all the poor and the forgotten about. They're protesting. The mayor, the mayor is dead. Their mayor is dead. And they're outside protesting, saying no more lies. So they don't really care about the mayor being dead, but they really need to find out the truth of why their lives are the way it is and with all the rich and the famous you know coming to the funeral it it really shows just how much out of touch they are in a way you know they're pulling up in their rolls royces carmine falcone pulled up in a in a rolls royce car in a lavish coat with a driver and somebody opened the door for him with a girl on his arm he came dripping and it literally shows the disconnect that you know that we can even see in our society today between the rich and between those who are struggling. So I thought that was a really interesting part. And speaking about the funeral scene, when Bruce Wayne pulls up, this is the first public appearance that we see of him in the movie. And honestly, from this point of the movie onwards, the tone increased to a level that was so strong. Like this is one of the first Batman movies that I was ever like on the edge of my seat. It was almost a thriller type of vibe when it came to it. So when he first exits out the car, he sees the same boots that he saw in the iceberg lounge that Selena Kyle was wearing. He sees it on the woman that he's walking in, that Carmine Falcone is walking into the funeral. And I don't know what went through his head when he was thinking this, but in my mind, I think Bruce Wayne is the alter ego of Batman. And he's always in Batman mode. Like that's the that's the only reason really why he went to the funeral was to be, you know, investigative and to see what was going on and who was there. And that's the Batman in him. So that kind of reminds me how not to not to bring Marvel into this conversation, (laughs) but how Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. And he was like, you know, after after Gwen died, it was like I was just all I was just Batman all the time. And so I think, you know, between that and then Batman, I think it really just shows how they handle their grief and how they put all their grief into their work. Because, I mean, he started being Batman because he wanted to he wanted to fight off vengeance. He wanted to be a symbol for justice in Gotham when he felt like he didn't even get the own the justice that he needed for his parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we see him. We see him wanting to be the symbol of vengeance and thinking that vengeance is justice. But in reality, that's not what it is. And then we see this in the same funeral scene that we were just talking about when he talks to Carmine Falcone. And Falcone tells the story of how his father saved him from a gunshot wound because, you know, it's the Hippocratic Oath. And, you know, just because he was a good person, saving a mobster, you know. And I really thought that was an interesting part because it showed it showed Bruce that he didn't know as much of his parents that he thought he did, even though he was there and that he saw that action happening. So 
with the funeral scene, since we're on it still, I feel like this is a perfect time to talk about Mitchell's son because that, like I said, the funeral scene, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, and it's because I think it really solidifies the parallels between Bruce Wayne and and the mayor's son. Um, Bruce Wayne seems to struggle with this idea that he's the son of a rather wealthy man in Gotham. And yet, you know, you have all of these people who are struggling to even make ends meet, who are living on the streets. And so he struggles with this identity of himself. And I think he has a bit of shame with it. Um, and then now the mayor's son is dead, or the mayor's dead. And now his son is going to pretty much inherit maybe the same, the same shame that Batman has. And so the fact that in the beginning, the mayor's son was in the window in a ninja costume and, you know, he was, he was playing Samurai Jack, right? Um, even to the, the funeral scene and they have a conversation, a little bit of a conversation. Batman's like, Batman goes out of his way to save the son when the car drives into the church or the wherever they're at. I think it's a church. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are what are your thoughts about about that, that those parallels that they draw? Yeah, so Mitchell's son, I feel like in a way is telling us the origin story of Bruce Wayne and how he became an orphan and how he was feeling when he became an orphan. Mm-hmm. We see in the first in the first uh, 20 minutes how, all the police are inside of Mayor Mitchell's house, and you can see that uh, his son is just in a room by himself with one other cop, and he's asking him, like, what happened? What's the story? And Batman is just staring at this kid, and he sees himself in this child's eyes, uh, and he knows what he's about to go through as well. So when we get to the funeral scene, he has the same sentiment, but instead of being in his Batman cow, he's Bruce Wayne in this moment and he has that same look of knowing what's about to happen to this kid you know what he's about to go through and the fear that he probably is feeling because of how his father was killed kind of just how uh, Bruce Wayne's father was killed when he was gunned down so it really shows you how much they how much Matt Reeves and the writers went out of their way to not show us specifically what Batman's origin Uh, consisted of because every movie that's had batman has shown his parents getting killed but in this movie we did not see that not once and i think this was a good way of showing how bruce wayne feels about that moment and how he felt in that moment when he was a child yeah and i feel like that's why how i said before with batman begins we see more of bruce wayne with his parents before they died and you know as they died um and then we get little not 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 little information, but we're not shown the discovery moment that, you know, these people are working together, they're bad, whatever. But in this movie, it's the complete opposite. And I feel like that's why why it works the way that it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you have do you have anything else to add on that? <laughs> uh, on the funeral scene? Um, yeah, anything else that you that you want to say? Because I, I lost my train of thought again. And I, it, there's a possibility that I might just completely change change course. So if you have anything <laughs> else to say. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just about the funeral scene in general. Uh, when the car crashes in and you can sort of like feel the tension building up to the moment where the car is going to crash in. You hear, you hear screams outside and you hear rumblings and things like that. So coming in to the building, ah, I lost my train of thought too. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I got it though. I got it though. Okay. So at the funeral in this moment, you see that he's still in Batman mode. He's looking around everywhere. He's listening to everybody talk. He's listening to uh, Jim Gordon and the new police commissioner talk. And in this moment, you see how he's just working in his head in detective mode all the time. And we see here the tension being built up where the car being driven by Gil Colson, the DA, into the funeral and that man or Bruce Wayne saving the mayor's son in that moment. 
and you can just feel the tension like you can cut it with a knife and he sees bruce he bruce wayne sees the riddler or paul dano standing above the whole scene just watching it and admiring it and he takes note of this right before the car crashes in and you know this leads to in my opinion the best scene in the movie where Gil Coulson is trying to solve these riddles that uh, the Riddler gives him in order to save, literally in order to save his neck because there was a bomb around his neck and Batman just being right there next to him. You can feel the pressure in that moment. And unfortunately it did not work out for the DA. So (laughs) do you feel like because of the way that our society, like, the position our society is now, do you feel like Matt Reeves um, felt more, he felt like he was able to do a lot more in terms of the the storyline between, or the storyline of corrupt government? Oh yeah, most definitely. So with corruption, uh, you have the higher ups, people who are basically untouchable. And they have their hand in a pot in almost every single pot in the city. But as they're ha- as they're having their hand in the pot, they're hoarding everything that should be going to every single citizen that is had. But there are people and the poor that are forgotten about, even in our society. So it's really interesting to see Matt Reeves touch on this because, you know, Gotham City in the comics and in prior movies, it's always inclined that there is corruption and corruption is very evident in, you know, Chris Nolan's Batman and in Tim Burton's Batman. Like you can see it and they're talking about it actively. But here it's like the corruption is almost unknown and people are just so are do people don't understand why their lives the way their lives are. And the Riddler is somebody who finds this out literally just working his nine to five and coming across financial documents he finds out hey my life isn't the way it is because of me it's because this city is corrupted and this corruption needs to be uprooted and i feel like that's what a lot of people feel about uh our society today is that you know there's corruption and it needs to be uprooted on both sides of the spectrum Mm -hmm. conservative and liberal so and i feel like that's why I'm able to connect with this movie a lot more. It could just be because I'm older and I have critical thinking skills, but <laughs> I also feel like watching, even watching The Dark Knight, um, I watched Batman Begins, and the corruption, um, the corruption of the government is all mostly verbal from what I picked up on. You know, you hear about it in conversations and stuff like that, but it seems like Batman is chasing after the mob the whole time or he's chasing after, you know, like he's chasing after comic book villains when the real villain is the government. But it's very, like in this one, it's more visually apparent that these people have relationships these people are working together that kind of thing um so yeah i definitely i I love the way that matt reeves took this movie um so now i mean we've definitely been talking about what we like about the movie but we can get more specific just in terms of the little things the big things um what did you like about this movie man the details is it's all in the details with this film. Uh, Batman, Robert Pattinson is looking for and looking at every single thing that he can get a clue from. So all the way from the first scene, all the way until the scene that we get where he's interrogating Paul Dano's Riddler. And the Riddler is just saying his name over and over again, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. And at this point, Batman thinks that, oh my goodness, like, this dude knows who I am. He knows who I am under this mask. And he's afraid that he's figured this out. You can see the fear in his eyes. He looks over to the camera and he looks back at the Riddler. And he's like, there's no way that I can fold in this mm-hmm. moment and you know, confess that I am Bruce Wayne. So I'm just going to stay silent and see where this goes. And the Riddler just explains everything that 
he loves about the Batman and everything that he hates about Gotham in that moment and doesn't mention him being Bruce Wayne at all. So from that point on, you know, what the Batman does is just let him go along with the plan and he basically makes sure that the Riddler doesn't implicate him in his crimes because, you know, the Riddler feels like him and the Batman were working together in this aspect. I really do love the character of the Riddler. I have a problem with liking the villains. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a question for my therapist, but I just, (laughs) I think not, I mean, Paul Dano did amazing as the Riddler, but even just the character himself, he really, I mean, he was a plot driver and he i think he shed light on a very important kind of idea um him being him being a product of bruce wayne's parents orphanage um and him holding on to the the news that you know your your dad was not as he was not as holy as you think he was yes he was a philanthropist but morally he still was not all there and so um bella the 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 girl who the the new mayor of gotham bella something um yeah bella yeah she even in the funeral scene (laughs) going back to it again she she (laughs) was like oh bruce wayne you know i've been wanting to talk to you because you know your dad was such a big philanthropist and yet you haven't done anything first of all how do you just come out and say that to somebody that you have never met? That was crazy to me. But I think I remember sitting in the movie theater and thinking, you just want him to do- like you just want him to be a philanthropist, even if his heart's not in it. Like you just you like you just want to mold him into a philanthropist. That's not how that works. And so, you know, from the funeral scene and then to closer to the end of the movie where we see that his dad was a philanthropist, but he also was working with Falcone, it's like it 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 very those two scenes tied in very well together and um so i liked even that commentary that matt that matt reeves and um the the writer of the script and everything um that they really made with that another thing that i liked (laughs) first of all robert pattinson but the the batmobile so when the batmobile first comes out right it's when they're trying to trap um penguin because penguins at a drug bust or not a drug bust a drug deal and um so selena comes ruins the entire plan as i'm not i was gonna say as women do but i was sarcastic it's sarcasm Uh, um but anyways she ruins a plan and um batman reveals his batmobile for the first time in the movie and he revs it up and you just see that silhouette and then it starts glowing and it's just and i remember shivering in my seat i was like oh my gosh this yeah. is like wow yeah. chef's kiss but then he he like he presses the gas a little bit and it revs forward but then he just stops it like he doesn't even drive and i remember thinking like okay that's all like that that's all we get but then watching it a second time i was like oh he did that like he, he knew that was gonna scare him off so like then they start scrambling like little rats and yeah so i just that's that's one scene that i besides the funeral scene that's one scene that i really like just because of the batmo the mat the batmobile itself and the reveal of it the way that they went about it yeah it's what it's exactly what the batman is going for it's going for he wants to strike fear in the hearts of criminals and you know and just use this fear to kind of just make their knees buckle like yours did when you saw the car but this scene <laughs> this scene led to one of the best car chase scenes I've ever seen inside of a movie theater. This car this car chase scene was it was it had everything honestly. It had drama, it had the comedy, it had the action in it. It had you holding on to your seat, buckling your seatbelt. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, sure it did. But now this scene and the lead up to this scene was um it was very it was very exposing of like you know, of what was going on inside the organization, you know, Selena Kyle finding her friend Annika's body inside of the, of, of a cop car, you know, uh, it's, it's very, it's very revealing about what criminals and what the city represents and its greediness and its corruption of it all. And yeah, this, the car scene, the car chase scene was so cool. 
I can't even get over like uh the penguin just saying, Oh, I got you, I got you, thinking that he got the Batman in a crash, and then literally the Batmobile just jumps over a semi and <laughs> right into the car. And, and the he- the scene right after that, when when he's walking up, when Batman's walking up, I feel like typically movies will show it like right side up. Um but seeing it from the opposite angle, I mean, yes, it's supposed to be from the penguin's point of view, but I think also it's it's representing the way that like kind of like the vengeance thing again. Yeah. How, you know, yeah, you're vengeance, but like you're creating chaos in mm-hmm. um in the in the way of it. And you know, doing it right side up, it's kind of like a righteous thing. It's like, a, this is the hero. This is a person who is uh, morally right. And he is the person you should be looking up to. But doing it upside down, it's almost like an upside down flag or an upside down cross where it's like, it's the complete opposite of that. Yeah. And I like that you caught that metaphor because honestly, this scene was, it was terrifying. Like <laughs> even in the opening monologue of how he was explaining how it was two years and how Halloween is one of the worst nights of the year. In that monologue, you can feel the fear that Batman instills in the criminals himself. And it kind of establishes Batman as, you know, somebody to be afraid of. And honestly, I was afraid of Batman throughout most of this movie because of just how he conveyed himself as him being the shadows and him being vengeance. And you can see the fear in the penguin's eyes when he's walking up to the car. He's literally shaking his head no while he's upside down, mind you. And he is honestly just terrified and shitting his pants because he does not want to even encounter what this dude represents. Yeah, I definitely, this movie, and maybe one reason why I like it is because I feel like it was, (sighs) we've said that it was a darker take on it, but like, it resembled a thriller slash horror movie. Just even the even the kills, like the way that the kills happen, that the Riddler, you know, the way the Riddler set it up and everything. Like even the the very beginning of it, when the Riddler is in the mayor's house, that was terrifying. Like I remember seeing it and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it it definitely resembles in the way that it happens on it takes place on Halloween night in the opening scene. Um I I mean make batman horror i'm i support it (laughs) um is there is there anything else that you would like to comment on in terms of what you liked about the movie yeah the hype surrounding this movie was that it was a thriller and that it was like a mystery to be solved and it does a good job of conveying this but it also blends the noir the drama action and romance elements that we see in the previous batman franchises and puts them into this movie while also having its own type of flow and it being a thriller and a mystery. And I just thought that was really awesome about how uh, the whole team did this film because uh, being a fan of Batman and being a fan of comic books in general, uh, comic books have all these aspects entwined to it because of the art that you see on the canvas, you know? And I think what happened is that Matt Reeves and the whole team, they really they really showed what it feels like to be looking at a comic book panel, but they put it into live action. And honestly, that was just beautiful. And I definitely, the hype that you were talking about surrounding it. I know I keep going back to Robert Pattinson, (laughs) but I mean, that, that was one of the things that really hyped it up for everybody. Even if they were talking negatively about it, like, oh, I don't see how he's going to pull this off. Or you're you're talking about the sparkly vampire from Twilight. He's going to be Batman. And I just remember being very excited because, I mean, it's not like that's his only thing that he's ever done. And everything that he's been in since, since Twilight or even while Twilight was happening, I mean, he's served the way he's needed to. And I'm I'm very happy that he was able to prove to everybody that, you know, he's no longer, he's no longer the teen heartthrob on, on, you know, the, the magazines we used to read and whatever, like he, mm-hmm. he came and he did what he needed to do and he's going to do it again. Um, so was there anything that you didn't like? 
well that's a great question because i really really like this movie but i feel like there was nothing i didn't like honestly this movie from top to bottom was just extraordinary all the way from the soundtrack to the selection of the cast to the twins guarding the door i feel like every movie that has action or drama need to set a twin you know just to just to lighten the movie yeah you know what? Those twins were in Teen Wolf. And when I saw them, I was like, oh, I know that's not who I think it is. And they were, they were in Teen Wolf. So I was like, not not all the heartthrobs Yo, in one no, movie. I really, I really like this film, this film and just the vibe of it all. And speaking of Robert Pattinson, I was a believer in Robert Pattinson as Batman for the longest. Because a lot of people, you know, like you said, saw that Twilight Kid being in that. But all the movies that he's done since then, awesome. Like The Lighthouse with Robert Egger and with uh, Willem Dafoe. That was just such a great film being his, it was his most recent one in that it was awarded, uh, you know, pretty, it was awarded and received all around the world with positivity and with him coming into this action type of role, but also a thriller uh, and horror type of film. Uh, that was just honestly put the icing on the cake for me and convinced me wholly to go into this movie with little to no expectations, but expecting it to be a different type of Batman film than we've seen before. You know, in, uh, in my episode with Nelly, when we talked about Fresh, I asked her, I said, was there anything you didn't like about this film? She said, no. And then she went on this big spiel about how she loves to enjoy movies as they come and everything. And so then I was talking to her afterwards, after, you know, the episode had had posted and stuff. And she was like, honestly, I was just talking out of my ass. I just wanted you to cut me off. I said, are you serious? Because I really, I was like, wow, what a nice heartfelt speech. (laughs) Um, But anyways, I definitely, like I always say, for anything, I'm a hater, and I'll always find something to hate. And I, mm-hmm. I hated Catwoman's costume. I feel like out of, <laughs> out of every movie, everything you could have grasped, mm-hmm. um, you know, for inspiration, and this is what we have. Granted, I know it goes back to what I I've said before in terms mm-hmm. of, um, you know, it it doesn't have that super the supernatural element. It doesn't have like the the fancy. The, the shiny fancy type of type of style that other superhero movies have, you know, where they have the the brand new suits and the the you know whatever. So having her in a costume where it, it really looks like she just grabbed whatever in her in her closet, it works. But yeah. that doesn't mean I don't hate it any less. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, other than that, I I that's that's the only thing I have to say about it. I think that. <sighs> I love the way that they deliver every line. Like every character delivers their lines perfectly. Because if you watch older Batmans, um, it it really just feels like it feels very animated. Maybe not necessarily Batman, but even just the side characters, like a judge or whatever. Like they have these one-liners that just feel so cartoony. And it's like, yeah. come on, man, you could have said that a little bit better. Let's retry it. Um, but with this one, even, you know, even Batman's one-liners, the I'm vengeance, the like tiny things like that, they were just the, the timing of it and the delivery of it was on point. And so like, I really, if I cringe in a movie, I, I definitely don't like it, but I didn't cringe in this movie. So <laughs> no, literally the only time I was cringing was when, uh, was when Riddler went on live and he was like, Oh, thanks guys for all the advice on that. <laughs> And I was like, oh my goodness, this dude is literally, he's literally a content creator with a whole following. And it was just, that was a really funny part of the movie because I was like, man, this is like really like, this is hell for real. Like, <laughs> I, really, I really do love how we're starting to see movies um, comment on just the way that social media is like, is, you know, building, building society up the way it is. Um, and I really like that aspect of it. Um, but I mean, so overall, what you don't have a letterbox, we'll get you one. But um, overall, what would you rate this movie? Man, this movie is a 10 out of 10. Honestly, I could not stop talking about it after I watched it in theaters. 
and maybe maybe it's just because I'm biased and I'm a fanboy. But honestly, this <laughs> film, if you go into this film knowing nothing about Batman, you're going to come out knowing something. And you're, you're going to see that he's not only vengeance, but he's a beacon of hope. And that that is what this movie really tries to convey. And that, you know, having faith in that there's always hope. That was that was beautifully said. I am a living I'm a living walking uh, proof that knowing nothing about Batman and walking in, walking out, knowing something, one hundred percent. I, you know, like I said before, watching this movie in theaters, I hadn't seen Batman in a very very long time. The last Bam, the last Batman I had seen was Dark Knight, and I mean, yeah. you, I couldn't even tell you how long that that is, um, but. You know, walking in, I had I had no idea, and so walking out, it definitely gave me something to think about. And watching older Batman's now, I'm like, okay, this is making a lot more sense. Um, I think at the time that this episode posts, I'll definitely have my rating on Letterboxd. I haven't put it on there yet, um, but I definitely have to give it. Um, I'd say four and a half out of five stars. Catwoman suit just really kills it for me. It's really, it's really holding the movie back. Um, but uh, but yeah. So, do you have any last remarks, Kadesh? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate you allowing me to, you know, get my thoughts off about this movie and about comics. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, and I enjoyed my time talking to you. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in, listening to this discussion. Um, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it has inspired you to look at Batman a little bit differently with Kadesh's expertise and my, my, me being here. <laughs> um, once again, you can always find me on Letterboxd with my reviews. You can find me on Instagram at the Unbound Cinefem Pod. And I hope to see you next episode. Kadesh, would you like to plug your Instagram as well? Yeah. Uh, so my Instagram is at Kadesh, but with an extra H at the end. And yeah, you guys can follow me on there. I post some informative things sometimes. And I like to write as well. So I will be making a letterbox soon. So mm -hmm. that I can start posting some reviews of some of the movies that I like as well. But thank you, Cinephiles, for tuning in. And yeah. All right. We'll catch you next episode.